It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, very sobering number yesterday with over a new uh, new record for case counts of over 1,000 cases of COVID. We were, thoughts? We were heading there. Um you know, every day we're going up by another hundred. Uh, so it was interesting yesterday. The initial count that came through the Ministry of Health or from Public Health was around 826, 825. And I'm told Minister Dix didn't think that was true because the Vancouver coastal numbers were higher than the Fraser Health Authority, which has never been the case since the beginning of the pandemic. And he basically ordered a recount. Really? And sure wow. enough, they went back. And they looked, and they found, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of, anchor, of of Fraser Health cases had been overlooked. And when they were added in, we're, we hit the 1,000 mark. So, again, wow, no surprise. So been, he looked at the numbers and said, this doesn't smell right. This, this looks too right. low. Yeah, it's too low wow. uh, because uh, just spotted something there that Vancouver Coastal numbers, even though Vancouver Coastal numbers have been surging, uh, they're not at the point of overtaking Fraser Health because Fraser Health still uh, is, is the majority of numbers. I just looked at the CDC website uh, map update, and Surrey continues to be the hot spot. But very interestingly, the next two areas of growth cases uh, for the last week are Vancouver West Side and Vancouver West End and Whistler. Wow. And I wonder if there's actually a thread that combines all three of those regions because Vancouver West Side people go to Whistler. And we're seeing more and more anecdotal um, stories of people who go to Whistler for the last few weeks and have come back to uh, where they live in Lower Mainland, and that's where their COVID cases are, are test positive, and that's where they're registered. That's why we're seeing a surge in Vancouver Coastal right now. Well, okay, it's an astonishing number that we saw yesterday. That's very interesting about how Dix thought it was too low, and uh, I guess he was right, it was too low. So now we got a record high, over 1,000 for the first time. And we, and we could be at 1,000 today. We're going to get the numbers later on today, but the, the fact is we're running, the positivity rate has been greatly elevated in Vancouver coastal health region, where it's gone from 6% to more than 10%. Uh, you know, it's it's an astonishingly high increase. Are we seeing like a spring break? Uh, we're in the middle of it. We're going yeah. gonna to see the spring break numbers continue through the rest of the week and into next week because, again, it, it's uh, spring breaks varied in, in length from district to district but yeah. again it's 14 days after the spring break it's ended. a ricochet from the spring break yeah. what about now we got a long weekend coming up so yeah. I mean, we're could be people traveling we're in a world of hurt i think of covid19 for all of this month which makes me think that the public health order sh- uh, shuttering restaurants is probably going to be extended past april 19th could they bring in even more aggressive they measures could. next week well Ontario's moving into uh, yeah. more ag- aggressive measures lockdown measures for a month we yeah. could very easily they announced that announced that today right Yep. Uh, interesting. We didn't get a variant uh, case number yesterday, uh, but we're going to get it today, and it's going to be two days worth, and we could be in the 600s of variant cases, and that's uh, very troubling because that's more transmissible, more infectious, and particularly the Brazilian variant, which was running rampant in Whistler. Whistler has yet to be dealt with. Even though people have we've sh- shut down the ski resort, workers are being inoculated. 
That doesn't mean that the virus hasn't spread there and has continues to spread as a result of people visiting there in Metro Vancouver. Okay, we got another update coming this afternoon. Could be another big number. Uh, oh, yeah, three it'll o'clock. be a big number. It'll be a big number. It'll be 900,000, 1,100. Wow, okay, so everyone brace yourselves for that. It's at 3 p.m., right? 3 p.m. Okay, 3 p.m. All right, let's talk about some of the taxes going up today. It's April 1st, April Fool's Day, and uh, no fooling, some taxes going up. Uh, the carbon tax is up today. Uh, we've got a tax on sweetened drinks uh, kicking in today. There's a Netflix tax uh, that's being imposed today. We had Horgan on the show here the other day, and and he was talking about, oh, there's no tax hikes. You know, we're holding the line on taxes. Well, there's taxes always are going tax up. Hikes. So April first, it's the beginning of a new fiscal year. Which, if you're wondering why the why it's today, yeah, uh, taxes are pegged to to fiscal years. Uh, the last fiscal year ended yesterday. New one begins today, which means uh, new taxes and new new tax rates and new and also new fees. You know, uh, there's a smidgen of uh, of increases across the board. Okay, the one that really bugs me is this sweetened drink tax because you don't drink pop. No, I drink diet coke. Unfortunately, I'm kind of addicted to it. And when um, when they brought in this tax, I thought, okay, well, it's just for sweetened drinks. So you know, it's the sugar tax. It won't won't hit my Diet Coke. Oh, no. It applies to diet drinks as well. So that's why they don't call it a sugar tax. They call it a sweetened tax because even artificial sweeteners are being taxed as well. Yeah. No, it's it's, a lot of jurisdictions have moved in this uh, direction. But, I mean, if this is like a sin tax, it's like a fat tax or whatever that they're bringing in to try and discourage people from consuming too much sugar, why should it apply to diet pop? That's my question. If you want to, if that's the hill you want to die on, Smitty, you die on that hill. On the, on I should have stocked it yesterday. Pop. I'm sticking to my black coffee. Thank you. Okay, well that's tax. That's tax free. But you know, it's kind of one of those ones that really bugs people. It just seems like a bit of it. It bugs diet pop drinkers. Well, it does. It does. What about now? Why are they going after <laughs> Netflix? Yeah, well, Netflix has escaped the tax man for a number of years, and you have to wonder, well, if if others have to pay taxes, why should Netflix be exempt? I mean, I think this was, uh, you can see this coming, no question. Okay, so I mean, we're tell- they're telling everybody to stay home. So you're staying home, drinking Diet Coke, and watching Netflix, <laughs> and now they're whacking me. Um, let me ask you about- Someone got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. <laughs> let me ask you about Glenn Clark, because I just find him such an interesting uh, character. Yeah. Um, he was my first guest this morning. We talked yeah, about, uh, we went down uh, in the Wayback Machine to 1998 when he was premier. and He got the ball rolling for the Olympics. He did. So we had uh, Arthur Griffiths came into his office and said, we need the province to support an Olympics bid. And this had been a controversial topic in the NDP in the past because some people were opposed mm-hmm. to them. There's a large part of the NDP kind of base that was uh, didn't want well, the bread and circuses of an Olympics. Guy, guys like Dave Barrett, who once said, you know, there's no way I'm going to burn money and send the smoke up a chimney on an the, Olympic the ND, Games. The NDP was opposed to Expo 86. The NDP was no. opposed to, a large chunk of the NDP was opposed to getting the Olympic Games. Glenn Clark has always been sort of, I think, distinct from the NDP base. He, he pursues policies that some of them didn't like, and this was one of them. And, and to his credit, this paid off with a huge success in 2010. It's interesting whether or not Vancouver should go again uh, for this. Uh, I note that when it comes to budgets, budgets are out the window. The federal government is running a $374 billion deficit, which is just yeah. unimaginable uh, a year ago. It's Absolutely insane. unimaginable. Yeah. So if you're if the feds are running a $374 billion deficit, if BC is running a $14 billion deficit, again, unimaginable a year ago, 
Uh, do budgetary concerns about the Olympics really... So, like, what's another $10 billion? Well, Like, let's know, have if, the Olympics again? If you're in for five, go in for ten. If you're in for ten, why not in for twenty? Okay, let me play this for you. This is, for, this is from Glenn Clark in his earlier appearance on the show here, and he likes the idea of Vancouver going for 2030 Olympics. Have a listen. As you know, I mean, the feature of Vancouver during the Olympics really boosted our image and our tourism around the world. And I think, you know, this province is so spectacular, you know, featuring, you know, the spectacular, you know, the Okanagan and the north and Vancouver Island really has some, uh, you know, similar potential to both boost investment in certain infrastructure, but also the tourism reflection that we get around the world, I think, has real potential. Okay, former Premier Glenn Clark speaking earlier on the show there. He was talking about the idea of a regional games. Don't mm-hmm. base them in Vancouver and Whistler, but spread them out around the province. Yeah, a unique idea. I mean, Glenn Clark's a pretty savvy business guy. Yeah. Uh, he's v- extremely successful in the private sector. Well, that's why Jimmy Pattison hired him, right? Oh, yeah. And that's why... Jimmy Pattison once said about Clark very early on, he said, send him to me and I'll make him a millionaire. <laughs> and, and that's what ended up happening. He's a millionaire. Um, he, mu- he must be. He's like Jimmy's vice president, right? Yeah, he's number two or number three in yeah. that company. He may be the heir apparent, uh, who yeah. knows. But uh, Glenn Clark's a very bright guy. I've known him for you know more than 40 years. Well, one of the things that I talked to him about, though, was was John Furlong, the former president of Vanock, the Olympic Committee, saying that we could do this in 2030 for free, basically. Like, it wouldn't cost the public any mm-hmm. money because we would just repurpose the existing infrastructure and the private sector would come on board. And I asked Clark about that, and he was... He was. He sounded a little skeptical about that. He's well. Probably there would be some capital be, capital yeah. costs. I was like, probably. Like, yeah. Like there would be. Like, and, and then I got an email here from John Furlong, who was listening, saying like, oh, you know, you don't know all, all the whole story. This, you know, you got to talk to me. So uh, he's going to continue to push Furlong will this, be pushing this idea this. that be cost yep. effective. I don't really. I mean, I I, I think there's obviously going to have to be some public money. Uh, in an Olympic bid, but not as much as it was in, in 2010. I mean, uh, Furlong's correct to some point. The infrastructure's there. The, the base is there. But the infrastructure would have to be updated. It would have to saying. be. Infrastructure always has to be updated. I mean, p- people forget the B.C. government, no matter who's in, in charge of the capital, is spending billions of dollars a year on infrastructure of various uh, forms, whether it's bridges, uh, schools, hospitals, convention centers, whatever. Uh, that's being spent every year. The Olympic, any Olympic bid would simply be rolled into that. Okay, I'm not sure that Vancouver City Council, though, is just so divided ideologically whether they can get together. Well, Which make, makes Clark's idea of a regional Olympics a little yeah. more interesting, not just a Vancouver Olympics. Uh, Vancouver City, again, is in uh, over time, is not the dominant city in Metro Vancouver. I mean, yeah. Surrey is, is a rival for it, and it's, it's going to be ever thus so going ahead. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. 
All right, Baldry's Beat, phone lines are open. Let's go right to your calls. Philip and Marpole, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, thank you. By the way, your producers and engineers always do a great job. I, I have a they question, yeah. and my question is, how will the new ICBC regulations apply to injured vehicle passengers and pedestrians? Thank you. Um, are you talk- so you're talking no fault, like how that would work under no fault? Regulations, yeah. Well, I mean, the way no fault works is that if you're injured, you can't sue. Under, except under limit, limited circumstances. Mm-hmm. So if you're injured by a drunk driver, for example, that is one of the prominent exemptions where you'd still be allowed to hire a lawyer and sue. But on the vast majority of other cases, you would not be allowed to sue. And the, the, the government's saying they're going to save a ton of money on this, right? They cut the lawyers out of it largely. Yeah, it'd be a defined payment. So, so I mean, so if you're a passenger and you're injured, I, I assume that, you, that would be covered under the same policy. Yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, I would think so. Yeah, Alex in Richmond. Hey, Alex. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Sure. Um, I'm I'm so frustrated. Where's the stop? I mean, I'm on disability. You know, Strata fees have gone up. Strata insurance has gone up. Netflix has gone up. Diet Coke, which I like, has gone up. <laughs> uh, I haven't gotten an increase, and you know, I'm not far removed from losing my place because you know my Strata fees are almost as much as my mortgage now. Okay, thanks. Well, it was interesting that the, the Horgan government last year, Keith, put a did not increase the carbon tax. There was a scheduled increase last year. One year hiatus, yeah. Yeah, they put a pause on it. They said, okay, we're not going to we're not going to increase your carbon tax this year, you know, because of the pandemic. People are struggling. But then this year, the pandemic's still going on. Two cents a carbon liter. Carbon tax goes up anyway. Two cents a liter. I mean, little, it's less than two life. cents a liter. A- a- April 1st, a lot of things go up, as I mentioned. Yeah. It's the start of a new fiscal year. And it doesn't matter who's in charge in Victoria or Ottawa. It's, uh, it's just basically if the lay Horgan, of the land. If Horgan raised taxes in any future budgets here in this mandate, I think he'd be into some trouble because that would be a broken election promise. Yeah. So the the budget's coming down later this month, uh, uh, a record time in terms of uh, being late. Uh, I'd be very surprised if any taxes go up uh, in, in federal. In now, federal taxes is another story because, mm-hmm. like, I keep wondering about whether Trudeau is looking at home equity. And trying to figure out how can I get a piece well, of that Well, if he wants to call an election, pie. it's political suicide if he wants to bring in a home equity tax. I, I just think you know, there's a lot of talk about that, and you get different lobby groups pushing for that, but I just think governments be very, very wary of bringing in that type of tax. Brian and Burnaby. Hey, Brian. Good morning, gentlemen. Just and as bizarre as this might sound, if these Olympics could be pulled off with absolutely no cost to the taxpayer... Why don't we allow Mr. Furlong to put a group of people together? And I'd love to see him come again. Put a group of people together. We'll provide the existing facilities. They can run it, and they can make all the money. Well, that's kind of effectively what he's saying. He's saying, like, let's use the existing facilities, and the private sector will run the thing. Yeah, well, Furlong, you know, he's – don't count him out on this. I mean, it's – this is a whole new ballgame here. Uh, when you've run the Olympics once, uh, you run it again. And, but again, uh, the, the cost to the public I don't think is as much an issue as it was before the pandemic because right now budgets are out the window in terms of balanced budgets. No one's balancing their budget at any government level, uh, which means uh, deficit financing is here for some time. And if that incorporates Olympic spending, you know, that's but what some it is. Of these, some of these venues, like, they're, yeah, they're still there. But by the time 2030 rolls around, they're, they're going to be pretty old. 
And like the Richmond Oval, for example, where they had long track speed skating, they mm-hmm. would have to reconfigure that building because it's like a community center now or whatever. Yep. So, but again, the infrastructure is there. You just have to, yeah. you say, reconfigure. But who's going to pay so for not, that? So I guess expensive. he's, I guess he's suggesting maybe private sector would pay for any upgrades. Yeah. Don't I mean, count, I don't, don't count. I wouldn't uh, count a bit out. I mean, I still think it's a bit of a long shot. But uh, again, Furlong, um, I wouldn't. He's not a guy to be denied. I'm going to try and get him on the show next week. Yeah. So I've already sent him an email on that. Uh, Alan. Alex and Delta. Hey, Alex. Hi, good morning to you both. Um, I heard one of your viewers say that we're going to be charged $150 uh, carbon tax. How is this for the Olympics? Because it's globalized, uh, uh, what do you call it, for the pollution. Let's charge everybody $150 that are coming in from land and air or sea to pay for the carbon tax, too, because the carbon that they're using to get well, here, well, they should pay part of it. Well, there there has been talk about maybe you should have some sort of import tax on on goods from other countries that are not that are not aggressively not, tackling uh, climate climate change. But look, the carbon tax today has gone up around a penny a liter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, it, you know, a fifty liter fill up on your and your tank, if you got fifty liter gas tank, it's going to cost you another fifty cents today. So that, that's what that's what the carbon tax is costing you. Yeah. So uh, carbon pricing is uh, basically in many jurisdictions, and uh, BC is no exception. 